Welcome to Pharma Launch Secrets, a podcast by Evermed. We host direct, actionable conversations with world-leading pharma launch experts that will help you launch your next product or indication successfully. Now, here's your host, Bozidar Jovicevic. Welcome to the new episode of Pharma Launch Secrets Podcast. Today, I have a pleasure of being joined by Peter Marchesini. Peter has over 30 years of experience in the pharmaceutical industry. He is currently a senior vice president at Indigene. He drives strategic client management with a focus on commercial segment of the life science uh, value chain at Indigene. He also teaches a class on managing the pharmaceutical sales force at Rutgers Business School in New Jersey. Welcome, Peter. Hey, welcome. Good to be here. All right. So I have a lot of questions for you. But first, I know uh, your previous role, you were at Eversana. You recently joined Indigene. I think it's been four or five months. So what attracted you to the company and the role? I'm curious. You know, it's one of these companies. It's a 22-year-old organization, and the five founders are still involved with the business, very much involved with the business. I was really excited about the culture of the business and really the direction that they're taking it. They were digital, and digital wasn't cool. So they really, uh, the market has come to them and we have a real bright future ahead of us. I thought my uh, experience coupled with their uh, culture and, and the leadership they have in the organization was a nice match. So, so far, so good after almost five months. Wonderful. Well, that's great to hear. Yeah, I had a chance to meet one of the co-founders and hear a little bit of the story. Just the, the fact that, you know, any business that is 20 plus years around and keeps growing strongly, took a testament to, you know, a vision, the team, and keeping up with all the with all the uh, in innovation. Absolutely. One thing I would like to ask you to start our conversation with start from in the context of pharma launches is sales reps. So sales reps had an instrumental role for years for pharma had been main channel, most expensive but most effective channel as well in commercializing drugs. A lot of things have changed, but you teach a class so managing pharmaceutical sales force. So I'd love to start that and kind of hear your High-level views on the role of sales reps four or five years ago, traditionally, and on the role from 2023 and beyond in the post-COVID world, especially since the rumors of the death of pharmaceutical sales rep have been around for 20 years. <laughs> I'd love to hear your view on this. I mean, that could be a three-hour answer I could give you on this, but it's you know the, the short-form answer is that they are the most effective means to delivering messaging. The, the, the problem is is that they're highly inefficient, highly expensive. They can only be in so many places at one time. And you can only you can only talk to so many people when you're in an office with them. So four or five years ago, they were the only means because technology really hadn't enabled any other means that was of any uh, substance that, you know, this uh, idea that a physician would receive information and then be able to identify a patient and use it. They weren't consuming their, their information then. That's, that's all changed. I think all for the better. It's changed in our consumer life and it's changed in our professional life as well. Physicians are no different from that. We still feel that representatives are really, really important, but in used in conjunction with uh, with digital approach. And, and I think that's the way if you're looking for this message sent, message received world, you know, you can get your messaging to your customers in a lot of ways right now and in an efficient way in places where they want to receive it. And you could reinforce that with the representative and allow them to go to offices and to physicians that want to see reps. And not all physicians are, are open to that. So 
Access has changed a great deal in the last five years. Certainly with COVID, that has impacted it. Uh, the ability to deliver quality, consistent, compliant messaging and other mechanisms has drastically ratcheted up. So what I what I view as, as this combination of rep plus digital being the most effective ways, uh, it will come to organizations having the intestinal fortitude to believe and to let the data and analytics drive the results and not their gut instincts that the representative isn't the only way of doing things. There are other ways of getting your messaging across to them. And and most of those are, are very economical, very timely, and certainly allow for you to get to reach sooner and get to your frequency goals sooner. Got it. Can we explain for some of the part of our audience that's not familiar with the term, oh, that's a reach and frequency model. So what does it mean, reach and frequency model? So, you know, if you, when you do your analysis, you identify the targeted, not always physician, but targeting healthcare providers that will see the most patients that are that would most likely utilize your product. So they're called your targets. So reach is I get to all of my I have 100 say 150 targets in a territory. How long does it take me to get to all 150 of my targets? Frequency is the old communication story that it takes multiple interactions for somebody to understand something. So you will have a frequency goal based on the amount of patients they see, their aptitude towards writing your product potentially compared to a competitor, and you'll say, I want to see them 12 times a year, 10 times a year. So you get that repetitive messaging. And so a rep, in in most cases, will see their highest opportunity HCPs 12 times a year. They'll see the next version probably seven to eight, and then some they'll see probably on a quarterly basis. So that would be their frequency goal with that. So you want to see everybody, then you want to see them the right number of times, because if you believe in kind of this that there is a uh, receptivity to messaging that will enact action, uh, kind of a performance response curve to this, that you can waste calls on people that don't need to see that expensive call anymore. So we we look at things both from technology and people as to the right number of touches and ultimately the one touch, making sure that, that it's done. And then we're doing it at the right frequency that it's going to enact some action to be utilized your product on the right patients. Mm-hmm. And what is a performance-based curve? So if you look at, we've done this for years. We say, how many rep calls does it take for market share to increase on a product? Uh, it's actually one of the sub- subjects of one in my class. We do a whole class on analytics. And this performance response curve shows that when we made this call, uh, the physician identified patients and utilized their product and increased my market share by X amount. But it's usually a curve like this. And there's a, there's a flattening out of the curve where the next call doesn't drive increased market share. So you've got to get to that point of optimality uh, in that. And if you can get to them in a way that speeds that up, so if it takes six cur- uh, calls to get to optimality and you can do three of them in person and the equivalency of three calls in digitally, then you're going to get to that more prescriptions utilized for the right patients. Got it. Very clear. So you kind of understand where is the point of diminishing returns so you can really find an optimal way to deploy Salesforce. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot more complicated than that because it's all segmented and all that, but that's the basis of it. All right. So so I want to dig deeper a little bit into this because we don't talk often about reps and reps for deployment and some of the new folks entering the world of commercialization may not be familiar with everything that's been done over the past 10, 15, 20 years because this has got to, gotten to a level of science. If you can, you know, you teach like, you know, 13 weeks <laughs> class on this topic, right? And so the other piece is that uh, when it comes to someone who is planning the sales reps or reps for today, 
right? So they're looking at, let's say, I don't know, 100,000 uh, people, the overall uh, addressable population of doctors that want their, that they want that they want to hit. So how does that, on a very high level, how does it planning look nowadays? Is it, well, I first started 50 to 70% of doctors who want C-reps, so <laughs> that is out. <laughs> and so, but of the remaining 30 to 50,000, do I go, how do I segment them? And then now that I have all that, how do I even start thinking about digital, which, you know, we can go a little bit deeper, of course, on the topic. So but how do I start even this process nowadays from a high level? Yeah, it's I mean, high level is that you should always do a version of segmentation that allows for you to identify like-minded physicians uh, with that. And, that. and that will include, the, there are various companies, including my own, that have something called Digital Affinity, that we are able to, based on past uh, interactions with them, we understand the physicians that interacted with emails or banner ads or attended webinars or speaker events or, you know, click through on a website with that. So we understand what they, what they do. So if you segment your digital savvy doctors and the rest of them need to see reps because they're not interacting with digitally, you've automatically cut that list down to an approachable number of physicians or, or HCPs that will interact with you. And you're not going to waste time, energy, and effort on those that haven't shown the inclination to utilize digital in the past. So that segmentation is digital or not digital. So it's reps and then digital, and that allows for you to kind of narrow your market. Then you subset that and say, all right, if this doctor has shown no inclination to click on a banner ad, we're not going to go to forums where those banner ads are going to be seen with them. They are somebody that will interact with an email. We will use the email as a tactic for them. And there's seven or eight other ways you can get to these to these folks through EHRs and other mechanisms. But to me, it's a smarter way of looking at it. It's about a third of the cost to do it than a rep going in, in there. But if you could segment based on digital and rep first, and then do your normal segmentation based on what your what how your reps should be in there, but also segment on what kinds of tactics you're going to use digitally with them. Give the greatest opportunity for message set, message received, and the uptake of your product, and making sure that they not only are aware of it, they they can identify patients, they've utilized it and had a good experience with it, and they're consistently using it appropriately uh, with them. So to me, it's the best opportunity to optimize your your commercial approach is that you're doing things the way your customers want them to be done to you. We're not forcing them to only see a rep or an MSL or a market access headcount. We're giving them the information in the way that they want to consume it, not in the way we want to deliver it. Yeah, and I, I think that's, you know, one of the most important points. And in, in my view, is, I just want to go a little bit deeper on that because the sales process, and I learned that, in, you know, outside of pharma, the sales process, when you think of design of the sales process, of course, you take into account what are you selling, what's the industry, and this and that. But the really number one place to start with is what is the buyer's journey. And in this case, what is the prescriber's journey? Because doctors are not buying anything from pharma, pharma per se. So what is, how is the process of discovering new treatments? Let's say I'm a cardiologist in my specialty. What, what's my, my process of discovering new treatments? Awareness. And potentially considering those treatments and potentially adopting your treatments, how has it changed compared to 10 years ago? And as you said, it's, you know, now it's a little bit different. There is content, there is this, there is on demand, there is my free time, and there is rep. And so respecting that journey and mapping it out and understanding, as you said, that there are segments of doctors who have different journeys. Some are high touch, low touch, high tech, low tech, this and that, that it is really the starting point on then that the pro sales process adjusts to them 
Did I get that right? I think the best word you used was respect there. I mean, we, we as, as pharma and biotech and med device or whoever else is interacting with these folks have to understand that the way we have forced them to consume our information in the past was because they didn't have a lot of options. And, uh, you know, if you look at the very nature of physicians who, uh, for the most part, have spent a lot of time in science and research, they're used to looking for information in journals. And, and now they have unbelievable websites, different society meetings are holding things virtually. They have unbelievable amount of information. And the last thing they want you to do is to do a, a blatant commercial for your brand. You want an educational message, a scientific approach to why they should use your product. They're smart enough to put two and two together uh, with that. But we should respect that they want to consume this information in a certain way. And we, you know, the data and analytics will show us that we can get pretty close to delivering it in a way that they want to see it in a mechanism they want to see it um, and in a way that if they want to go back to it, they can find it and not have to wait for that rep to come back into the office again. Yeah, 100%. And then you mentioned one thing. You mentioned that something I think you call the digital equivalent, right? You mentioned that, you know, there is like equivalent of a sales rep visit. And so can you elaborate a little bit more on that? What does that mean? That there is some combination of, of two emails plus two videos of three minutes watch that actually can have the same impact in one rep visit? Is, is that how it works? I'm not doing it justice into my answer here, but it, what it says is that it, it's compared to a rep. A rep call equals one. Rep in an office delivering a message is equal to one. But what we're able to measure is compared to that effect of that rep call in an office, when we did these other tactics, what effect did it have on their prescribing habits? With them, And then we give it a percentage, it's 0.1, 0.2, probably nothing over a 0.5 in that, unless you have a really impactful, uh, very well-positioned webinar or something along those lines. But you're able to start doing math. You're able to say, all right, rep is equal to one. We sent out an email. They clicked on a banner ad. They went to our website. That equals another call. So that's two. Then we send them another email. It's one point. It's 2.1. So you could start doing some math to get to frequency with that. So it allows for you to, to figure out the right chain of events through data and analytics to say, when we did this, this, and this, it had the greatest effect. And in this order, it had this effect on this type of physician with them. So it's very data and analytics driven, you know, the big buzzwords, machine learning and, and, and artificial intelligence are all involved in this. But what we want is that it shouldn't be we have one plan. We have, we have many, many plans for many, many physicians based on their individual journey. I'll use the word that you're using, which it really is. Their journey with your brand is important. And we have to find out what's the right combination. And you have to have the right number of assets and the right types of assets. So when they come back in, they're seeing something new. It's not just you create five assets and you're done. This is an ongoing event for you to alter things and to make sure that they're getting new information every time they want to interact with your brand or with your your organization. But yes, it's it's percentages of a call of the impact. And if it has no impact, then it's zero. Yeah. And I have want to touch on one more thing there, which is cost, because you know, I had a guest who shared that, you know, there will be more launches in the future. Because there was a time of people saying, oh, there are less and less launches, less and less innovation. It seems like number of launches is, you know, 40, 50 plus, and it's growing, right? Every year, new approved entities in, uh, in, by FDA, for example. And, and then uh, he mentioned that there will be many more launches, which is, you know, 500 million to one, $1.5 billion peak revenue, less Humiras and Quetrillas of the world, but more those kind of launches at that peak range. 
uh, across many different diseases that don't have drugs. So a lot of specialty drugs, a lot of more precise treatments. But that means a lot of launches, but with a lower peak sales. So it means that, you know, there will be kind of a launch machinery that will be happening that uh, big pharma companies, especially launching multiple products, will have. So I'm thinking of the cost impact of this, because given that in the US, for example, one rep visit costs like $300, $400, roughly, like with a digital equivalence, this probably could be a very powerful effect on lowering the cost. So being able to touch more doctors, but also at a much lower cost, because you won't have like $10 billion launches anymore. Is that also the benefit of thinking this way? I use the term optimization in that Mm -hmm. you have a brand that's approved by the FDA and you have right then the clock is ticking before you have somebody, either a competitor or generic substitution for that. So you have selling days available to you, revenue generating days for for your organization. So in the past where we just had reps, a rep, if they have 150 targets, it may take them three months before they get to all of their physicians. So your quarter of your year before they've received one call on your product. Now, a subset will have received a couple of calls. Digitally, you can get to every target day one of your launch. So a percentage of the impact would be there. And for those that are digitally affinity, it'll have a higher impact on them because they'll be wanting that that information. So if you look at number of selling days a year that a rep would have, maybe there's 240 days they have available to be in an office. But if a physician, and there's some research that shows the physician wants to consume their information at 5 p.m. on a Friday and through the weekend and have a preference, generally there aren't reps out there doing that. But if we can get to them digitally, we're getting them at the time they want to receive their information with the information they want, the way they want it, and they're able to consume it, and you have impact at that point in time. But I also look at, you know, new launch product comes into a sales organization, but they have two other approved products. Your share of voice, and that's another used term, even in your own sales team has been diminished with that. So the lead product will get the majority of the voice. And in this age where access is challenged, probably a good, good chunk of that. But products two and three have been shifted down. These are approved products. They generate revenue for your organization. There's no competition, generic substitution. You can optimize those products as well digitally as well. So to me, it's number of selling days available digitally, 365. The number of impact you can have with all of your brands is as much or as little as you want to do with that. So this optimization of your brands and the number of selling days you have over the life of that product is exponentially increased digitally with them, reinforced with representatives when needed. But ultimately, you should be optimizing your total commercialization footprint by looking at not one or the other, but the combination of the two. And where can the most impact be seen for your your product? And the territory, the warming of these physicians with information is also very important. You can start feeding them with information prior to launch in a scientific way, non-promotional with that. But when that rep does come in, it's a much more impactful conversation because they know more about your product walking into the discussion. Yeah, it's great. So, so, you know, digital is a force multiplier. And one of the things that's great to sometimes say. Great way to put it. Great way to put it. uh, One of the things sometimes say about digital is that, you know, it never sleeps. It doesn't get tired. It's 24-7. If you have a video of a KOL speaking about efficacy, right, product that they really believe in and use, you know, everything is real, that is 24-7. So it adjusts to time zones. It adjusts to anything. And sometimes the doctor would be open to listening to the same efficacy message from their peer and not be open to listening to the same message from a rep. While for some other doctor, to your point, maybe, you know, they want to hear both or they prefer to 
meet with rep. So, so just respecting that journey we discussed is um, and understanding it through data, understanding it, having information about that journey on the individual doctor is really powerful. It's all very measurable now. We're, there's no, there's no mystery to this. We, we're not just, we're not just doing a, a, these, you know, a five tar- five tactics with them. It's well coordinated. There's, a, there is a journey involved uh, with this, and we're learning all the time. So the next time we come through, we know the right thing to do more than we did when we started all this. So that's the whole idea of omnichannel is that you're getting to these folks in multiple ways, in a way that they want to receive it, and then you're learning as your product goes through with your assets, what's resonating, what's not. And then you're smart enough to make adjustments in frequency, adjustments in content and adjustments in how the rep is interacting with them as well. So I think it's it's a much more thoughtful approach than just throwing tactics at people. Yeah. And one other benefit also is, you know, with all this uh, kind of data on the content consumption, you kind of informs your future content. So it becomes this flywheel. And I remember like maybe seven, eight years ago when the CEO of Netflix came on stage and he said, look, we are a data company. Like, do you know the House of Cards, which was like a big show 10 years ago, was informed by the data. We said, if we put this sector and this director and this topic, we're going to get the winning show. And that, that was like almost 10 years ago that he was talking about this. And I could just imagine. And of course, uh, pharma and entertainment industries, you know, pharma is less in digital maturity, but, you know, it, it's, it's accelerating. So now the other piece is that, could you just explain the concept of, of digital affinity. And so I have some questions for you, for you around, like how do we then combine those two channels together? But let's first just deconstruct a little bit what is digital affinity, what kind of, what data forms digital affinity, and then we can discuss a little bit more how to use it. Yeah, I think, you know, and I've talked about this a little bit earlier, but I think it's data that shows that when in our organization, the way we score it was based on data that we have in utilizing different channels with them and how they responded. So we know for these 20 or 30 brands that we've interacted with that when we sent emails, they either opened them, spent time with them. So we can measure impact of these different tactics by physician at the NPI level and say, all right, this is somebody that for these, those brands that we have data on, they've chosen to click through or do something differently than they've done before. We also know the people who didn't, and that's equally important for us with that. So we know the folks that we can get to digitally. And I think, as we said, I said earlier, it's more important the people that we don't need to waste time, energy, and effort on in doing it multiple times and thinking that it's going to replace a rep because it doesn't. They're not going to get their message. So we give them a score based on the amount of change in behavior that happened based on the various channels that we we attack them with or attack bad word attack but we approach them with uh, for a pharmaceutical company so when we've done that we're able to say this this position has a high affinity because when we did these things digitally it changed their prescribing behaviors for their product and it gives them a higher score these it was a bit of a bump and these it stayed flat but it's good for us to understand that it had some level of impact and certainly things didn't go down after we did that. And then we can also combine that over time and say, and when we did this, this, and this, and a rep went in and went even higher. So we're able to segment based on digital affinity, high, medium, and low, segment based on prescribing, high, medium, and low, and then say, these are the high highs, the medium, mediums, and things of that nature. So this score is something that we can segment on and go talk to a client about and say, we're willing to we're willing to bet that if we do this work with them, you're going to have influence on them, and then your expensive, inefficient rep 
can just concentrate on this segment over here and they're going to have higher impact because that's who they want to see. Okay. So you take digital affinity, you take prescribing. Do you also take potential? Like how many patients do they have? Yeah, they're, I mean, they're, the deciling will have occurred, but most of that's done in a fairly regular basis. The way, the way I would recommend is that you, you do digital affinity for your entire target list, then segment digitally with Bitactic. And then for the rep version, then you do the normal segmentation based on deciling, prescribing, have a competitive market share, things of that nature. Right. I hope you publish some of this. I'd love to read a little bit about this. <laughs> so I'm sure the readers will also like to get. Our organization puts out a lot of information on this. Oh, yeah. okay, perfect. Maybe we'll put some of the links in the in the podcast below description. But this kind of whole process of like something that's been done for years in pharma, like the rep planning and the call planning and territory planning, which got to a level of science, right? So how do you get that? And then you overlay the digital affinity and all those high, medium lows. And then how do you have those conversations? Say, so, well, you know, we can make actually quite predict, it's not a guess, it's like a really prediction of what will work if we do X, Y, and Z. Now, how should, let's say, uh, brand directors launching a product nowadays, how should they think about take all this? And when they think about their channels, they, there are certain channels that are kind of like, it's just the way things are done. You need to have reps, speaker programs, emails, that's kind of table stakes. So how should they think about digital omnichannel and content? Should they start like, these are the table stakes, I need this, that's a must. And then everything else is kind of, placed around this to amplify each of these channels, especially like rep, or they should start like, oh yeah, they have three or four channels that are kind of table stakes, but there are two or three others that are differentiating. Let me take a look at all of them and give them a fair chance, you know, treat them as channels. There are basic things that are just known to your said that you, you have to have these basic tools in your toolbox to get your messaging. And your competition has generally been out there doing these things. So it's a copycat industry. So generally we'll, we'll look and see what, what my competitors are doing. We'll try and mimic that. I, it's not a horrible way to do it, but they, maybe they didn't do it based on science. They just, they had a good agency that told them what to do uh, with that. So what I would recommend is that you build the infrastructure and content that's, that's changeable that, you know, you build your core contact, but having in various different mechanisms of releasing it, that it's going to be usable over and over and over again, kind of a library of assets and tagging that information in such a way that you can get to it and recreate this. So you're not over indexing on, on these things. There's a lot of folks who develop content. Uh, our organization does a really good job uh, of that as well. And there's a way to do it in a way that it'll be easily understood. It's simple. It's relevant. It's, it's educational in nature. So that's what you want at the end of the day. If it's overly commercial, I don't care if it's the best email in the world. Doctor doesn't want to receive a big loud commercial about your brand. It's not going to have the impact on it. So there is a science to how it's presented, what's presented, and then the frequency that it's presented. And then the different tactics that you can use around that to optimize your spend in that area, just as you would with your reps. You, you put them in territories generally, they have certain targets you want to see. You're going to want to approach your digital approach to say, all right, I have this group of physicians that I need to get to. These are the known tactics that I know I need to have, but I also need to have that flexibility that if they want to double click on that, there's a, ne there's a next level of information that's out there. But it's, it's, this is not five tactics and you're done. This is an action sport. You have to be in the game 
the whole time as a marketer in this day and age and make sure that you have the right amount of information at the right time based on where your brand is at any given moment. And don't think you can create five things and wait until the next POA period because you're going to have to keep creating information for these folks. Mm -hmm. So thank you. So how the, the big word this year is like, and I think maybe next year, maybe last year is on the channel, right? And so what's the, what's the role of content in that and how does the asynchronous engagement with the doctor work together with something as a sales rep which is synchronous what have you seen that work really that worked really well i think digital can help what i call territory warming so it could warm up your territory that is that is at a level of understanding of your product the rep could come in and deliver and answer those questions in a very dynamic way and then you can follow up with information that may reinforce that messaging in a less expensive. So we use math here. So if a rep costs you $250 to $300 a call, but you can get it in digitally for 20 bucks, the math is upside right for you. If you're warming them with for $20, spending the 250 on the rep and then the 20 to remind, it's better than a rep having to go back and do a service call with the delivery information. So your the economics are always good that way. So that working together, digital on its own, reps on their own will have will have effect. Digital complementing what a rep or an MSL is doing will always be a, a to your word, a force multiplier. You're going to get that one plus one equals three because it's a reinforcement of that. It's pulled through in a better way. And it's a thoughtful approach. It's to if you're telling a story and you're trying to extend that journey that the physician is on. You're not, it's it's not there's no the thread is through there it's not something that's very different and it, and it's surrounded by information so based on based on our last conversation here's the information that you needed in some digital approach and it's usually in an email or something along those ways or a link or something along those lines I like the you know territory warming I haven't heard but yeah it is like warming up the, especially before the launch it can be even disease related content could be really powerful like this. I just went and bought a TV for my son and we researched it online. We, we went there, we looked at the different brands. We went in and we talked to the salesperson. He had his point of view and we ended up making a purchase, but we were warmed up to what we wanted prior. And so in consumer life, it happens all the time. So why shouldn't a physician want their information delivered before that? I mean, it happens with patients and doctors, right? Yeah. Because patients nowadays read and characterize it's very that's good or bad, but they're reading about diseases. They're more informed than when they come in front of a doctor, they ask more technical questions, more asking about their options. And it's normal. Like it's happening for doctors and their patients. Absolutely. Let alone, you know, you probably when you went to talk to a salesperson about TV, you had questions that you couldn't have 10 years ago. You just couldn't have. You couldn't find information. But nowadays you can ask what's different between OLED and CLED or I don't know what it is. But uh, it's really powerful. Now, in this situation where there is a warm-up and where there is a content that doctor consumed, you said it's more thoughtful approach and allowing reps to have more meaningful and more engaging conversations. So commercially speaking, what would be an expected benefit for the organization or for a rep? Is it that more doors are open, so more, more doctors want to see them? Is it a longer conversation? Is it an impact of prescription? Is it all of this? So can you help us understand a little bit there? Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to allow for much increased access. I mean, there's data that shows that certain companies will have access no matter what they're doing with that. But for a smaller organization, I think it could open up doors. A new organization, it could open up doors, especially if they preface, I'm going to be in your area and I want to talk to you about 
this, you're kind of letting them know what you want to do. But I think it's a much more respectful conversation with, with the physician in that you're continuing that dialogue with them. You're, you're a smarter company because it's connected. And omni-channel should connect all these things in such a way that it doesn't look like eight roads heading at them. It's one road. But, a, but it's, there was a lot of on-ramps to that earlier on that delivered that one message uh, to them. And, and that's most impactful by a rep, absolutely, or an MSL delivering that. But you want all the value of all these other less expensive tactics to enable that to, to what you said earlier to be a much richer or, uh, conversation, a, a, probably a longer discussion uh, with them. It's probably going to be a discussion that does more than just a head nod. There may be an objection or a question that's asked because they have something in their head. And that makes that 30-second call into a three-minute call or three-minute call into a five-minute call. And that's time with you, your rep, and your product that you may have taken you three or four calls to get to. And that's time. That's selling days. Patients that have come in that haven't been put on your product because the physician hasn't been convinced yet. And that's, to me, I get down that there's, you know, you have to manage the clock on the wall and the calendar. You have certain hours that you can get to these physicians, certain days that you can get to them. And there's a way to expand the clock and expand the calendar, so to speak, in a way where when people want to consume these things that you just can't do with representatives and MSLs and market access. They have a beginning of the day and an end of the day, and there's generally holidays and weekends sick days and maternal leave and all kinds of things that are that are fantastic for them to have but it, it's not moving the needle forward and getting information in the hands of your of your healthcare providers yeah i love that expression expanding the time because at the end of the day we live in an attention economy most successful businesses of of the last 20 years have been businesses that are focused on grabbing our attention from social media platforms to Google's to to Netflix and so it really is attention is the new gold some people say yeah and so so it's you know with doctors the attention and the time that they can give to a rep is lower and lower that that's not new so and then the access is a problem as well so anything that can be for and after the call expand that time whether it's you know territory warming which is like before or anything that it's after that will enable doctors to continue the conversation or education by watching a piece of content at 7 p.m. when they're at home and just check a few things 10 minutes, it essentially increases that one or two minutes that reps have to, you know, to 2x, 3x, 4x time. Like 10 minutes is like five times more than two minutes, right? So it kind of expands onto that. But I love how you say it, like it's almost expand the time that you have with, with physician. And one other, uh, I had a guest who said something like, so you have your your sales call start before your rep steps into the office, which is the other way, right? Very good. Yeah, it's well said. Absolutely. Yeah. And then personalization, another big word that uh, a lot of initiatives happening. Of course, it requires data infrastructure, customer 360 profiles. Anything you like to share on what you see the clients, uh, current clients in your experience or previous company, what are they doing when it comes to personalization? Biggest challenge, biggest opportunity on that. Yeah, I think we're obviously in a in a in a in an industry where compliance is overly necessary and needed. So you you can only go so deep with them. But we have an unbelievable amount of data as well that we have. So we we can understand a physician's patient count or the the, the you know the, the level of number of patients that they may be seeing and diagnosing. That we can understand that we can understand the utilization of our product and our competitors products. We can understand uh, managed care 
hurdles that they may be seeing where it's either being reversed or switched and all those things. So it's usually where the headaches are, where non-compliant patients, patients are dropping off therapy. So what, what we've seen is that there is how do we help solve issues that may be coming back to the office through phone calls or repeat visits and say, all right, you or physicians like you may be uh, having issues with the product being approved. This is how you can handle that. You or physicians like you may be having issues where patients are, are having this or that side effect. This is this will dissipate. Here's a study that shows shows that. But show, getting to that level of optimality when it comes to the right information for them at the right time, not just repeating the same message over and over again, being a smarter organization at the same time and making sure that while you can't say, hey, here, Dr. Jones, I, I know that uh, Mrs. Johnson took, took this product and she stopped using the product. You can't do that. But you can say that, you know, we have noticed that uh, the average patient stops taking therapy after four months here are some things that you can do that will engage them. We have this program here. We have this patient information there. Here, here's resources that your office can use with these patients. I mean, patient adherence is the biggest issue, has always been the biggest issue in pharmaceuticals. Because you spend all this money to acquire, to have the physician write your product, and the, and the patient doesn't take it for as long as, they, especially in chronic diseases, for as long as they need to do. If you just c- capitalized on that, you know, you'd have you'd have all the revenue you need as a pharmaceutical company. Yeah, I recently had a conversation with one of the executives uh, working with pharma, and, and he, he told me, like, if you go back to what, you know, Elon Musk is proposing often, going back to the first principles, like, because we get so fancy and, you know, it's easy to confuse things, but first principles for Elon Musk was when he was building rockets. He's like, what is the cost of the raw materials to build a rocket, and what is the technology? So then he asked, like, why is this costing 100 times more or 10 times more than it should cost to start a company, right? So here is like, Pharma is like how to get a patient to start the treatment if it's the right treatment for them and how to get them to continue that treatment. <laughs> so if you're solving one of the two, those two problems in, in all these kinds of ways, <laughs> right, then you're on the right track. And it's like really like those, so what can help problem one, what can help solve problem two. So it helped me because when I get confused, I'm like, what's the first principle here? <laughs> Something I'm trying to solve. Well, it's, you want to, you know, patient, this is not like we're selling coffee. I mean, the patient has something that they need treated and this product should help them one way or another. So, I mean, if you look at any well-run pharmaceutical organizations, the amount of programs that they have to support the patient from a patient assistance program, from a patient education standpoint, from making sure they're aware of all the it's unbelievable the amount of content. But if it's not if it's unknown to the physician, if it's unknown to the patient, and all the stuff is created in a vacuum and you're not making them aware of that, then it doesn't exist. Until they understand that it's there, it doesn't matter. You've wasted money. The more people you can run through these programs, the cheaper it should be for you because you're you're getting impact based on that. And that's all digital is not all about selling the product. It's keeping people on product, making people aware of things when problems happen or issues happen, either from a market access standpoint or for a patient adherence standpoint. Okay. Before I switch into towards the end of the episode, would I ask like rapid fire questions so people, uh, listeners, uh, learn more about <laughs> you, uh, the human being on the other side. One question, what is or the next, uh, you're in a new role also and a new company, if there is one thing that excites you uh, over the past 12 months uh, where you see the most opportunities, what is it? 
I think it's uh, how do we help people solve this this problem that's out there? Nobody has nobody has really figured it out yet. I think a lot of people have taken steps forward in this. I don't think there's one organization that's totally optimized their commercialization plan. So I get excited because I get to have conversations with these professionals and help them try and figure out what I call a Rubik's cube problem. Most people are good at solving one side, but not everybody's good at solving all the sides of it. And we hope to help people solve all the sides of this. And, and that's that's exciting to me because it's not a straight line answer anymore. It's an action sport. And you have to be involved every day and you have to have the right tools for that. And, and fortunately, you know, we have so much content and data available to us. This isn't hard, but you have to be thoughtful on your approach. But that gets me excited. Yeah, yeah, that that's a problem worth solving, and definitely a lot to a lot of space for efficiencies and effectiveness. All right, I have five or six questions. I'd like to briefly run through. So, favorite industry buzzword of the year? I've I've been a big fan of digital, the physical and digital coming together. So I, I think that's a good one. All right, the book that had an impact on you over the last year or two? Yeah, a book by Adam Grant called Think Again. Really good book. Oh, love it. I actually gave it as a gift to several, oh, people, good. <laughs> several people that I know. <laughs> so uh, it's just so powerful. And he's great on LinkedIn, too. He, he, he always has good posts. So. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. But this whole idea of, I, I heard Tim Ferriss once says, diversify your identity. And it reminded me when I read the book, I'm like, we get so connected into something that we artificially create in our mind and we hold on to our opinions or actually the best ideas come from being deliberately detached from your opinions and being open. It's a struggle. It's a struggle so for people. Yeah. Yeah. Because it gives us stability. Like we get stabilized comfort by yeah. those artificial constructs. I am this or I am that. Or <laughs> we get stabilized, but it's just in our head. Uh, what's your go-to music when you need some inspiration? Uh, well, anything by the Foo Fighters, but probably Everlong. Oh, right. Foo Fighters. Who in the world of pharma would you most like to take for lunch? I've met him before. We're not taking lunch, but I'm a big fan of Vlad Korok from Biohaven. All right. Well, they've done a great job <laughs> with their launch and their acquisition. Uh, what one sentence advice would you give anyone just starting out in pharma sales? Uh, listen more than you talk. All right. So like use the in the right ratio <laughs> to one. <laughs> All right. And where can people find you online? Yeah, I'm mainly on LinkedIn. I, I'm an observer on Instagram and Facebook mainly, but uh, I interact mainly on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. All right. Thank you. This has been a wonderful uh, episode and uh, I can promise you that I'll be trying to solve the same problem and we here at Evermed. So hopefully we can solve it together. Excellent. Appreciate the time. This podcast was brought to you by Evermed. Evermed offers pharma companies the fastest path to having their own Netflix-like on-demand video engagement hubs for doctors or patients. Make sure to search for Pharma Launch Secrets in Apple Podcasts or Spotify and click on the follow icon so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Evermed, thanks for listening.